0: Mac Football Pod, Caleb. We're finishing up these previews leading up to the season. We've got three teams left: NIU, Buffalo, Western Michigan. I, I cannot stop saying this one sentence over and over and over and over and over again. And I say it to you, I say it to my other friends, I've been saying it to coworkers too. Actually, I'm really excited for football season to start. I'm just really excited. I know last year. Was all doom and gloom, and yes, there are like things about uh, not that I want to get into the weeds about coronavirus and all that stuff, you know, Delta variant's not too nice, so do mask up, even though you're vaccinated. And I know you're all vaccinated, um, I know all that stuff is looming over this season, too. But all things considered, I'm still just really excited to watch football again because we know what's happening come hell or high water. And it's going to be incredible, especially with with these teams that we're about to talk about. There's reasons to not believe in each of them for one reason or another. Maybe, maybe not as many bad things to say about Western, but I digress. It's going to be a better looking football across the board in college football. And that's going to be very true with NIU and with Buffalo too. And with Western, oh my God, it's the sky's the limit for that team.
1: And yeah, still looking at a Western team that I'm not going to be surprised if they start like two and five or whatever. They're going to, they very well could have a losing record heading into like the biggest stretch of the season, but there's also no reason that they couldn't win seven games in the Mac this year because of how much talent they have.
0: Yeah. uh, I mean, let's start with NIU. Let's start with NIU. You used to cover NIU uh for the DeKalb Daily Chronicle. Uh what you know What what was your kind of like if going back to like when like Hammock was hired and all that stuff, what do you think was like the expectation of that whole regime was going to be and would you give his performance like a thumbs up, thumbs down or kind of like thumbs to the side?
1: Well, I mean, when he got there, the expectations were sky high just because they were coming off a MAC championship, despite the fact that, you know, they're losing a lot of talent. There was still enough talent, enough returning guys at certain positions that the expectations remained high. And then you had an incoming transfer that led people to believe the offense would be more explosive and more consistent. And that did not hold true at all. Hindsight's a lot easier to take a look at and say, this is why it failed now, uh, originally. Um, in- injuries haven't helped. NIU's been in a position where it's major linebackers or defensive backs or other players have been hurt as well, and it's not very a very good situation to be in if you're in the current iteration of NIU football because it's a tremendously young program, and that will continue to be the case this year after a winless season. So there really isn't much reason to expect NIU is just going to be substantially better, but maybe one side of the ball or both sides of the ball are better enough, like better enough, I guess, or improved enough that they should win some Mac games. And maybe maybe they're competitive almost every time out in the Mac, and that could mean a few wins. So it still – it will always feel weird expecting NIU to be near the bottom of the conference in anything. Um, so it, it never feels like right to predict it but like I still predicted NIU to be in the bottom of the west just because we haven't seen it
0: yet
2: right
1: so uh, there are reasons to, to be helpful if you're an NIU fan and we'll I, we'll get into those here and over the next few minutes
0: mm-hmm. yeah I mean sure there's you know some a few nice things you might be able to point to at NIU but uh, there's a lot of more better things going on in the rest of the division so that's that's kind of where they stand but like even then like I for me, it's still even hard to find like where are like the actual high points of this team right now. like The expectation was like, okay, Hammock is an, is a running back guy, so that's going to be a point of emphasis for this team. That's what they're going to build around. That's going to be his. like If and when the running backs do well, it's we're all going to point to Thomas, ha- Thomas Hammock and be like, yep, uh, he knows what he's doing there. But the team's a lot bigger than that. The sport's a lot bigger than that. And the rest of the team has not caught up to like, the level of play that the running backs have, um, which the running backs have done well, and some parts have been okay. Like Tyrese Richie's been pretty decent at wide receiver. There's some defensive ends that have kind of stood out a little bit in that freshman class. There's a few defensive backs that have come over, like uh, like Gandy, the transfer, the uh, I think it's like an in city transfer too, that you know that came over and did well for himself. But it's not a complete team. It's like very, very far from, you know, the twenty ten NIU team, the twenty eleven, the 2013, 2014 you know, like all like that whole stretch in the twenty tens, late two thousands, when they were all good. It just has not been the same. And that's not to say like, oh well, he's just we got we gotta get back to that. It's just no that he needs to figure out what he can do well and actually execute it very well. And with, let me scroll, 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 88 freshmen on the roster, that's not it's just not going to be easy to do, especially not this year. maybe in the long term, but uh, I don't think we're going to see enough high points for NIU to stand out over the course of the whole season and that's kind of where I feel with my like my temperature read on this team heading into 2021
1: yes and and with the freshmen honestly you're going to see historic numbers of freshmen because guys who are in their third year of being on campus are still essentially redshirt Redshirt freshmen
0: freshmen. yep yeah Yeah. they got got a bunch of those
1: they actually yeah they have a decent number of those and and if you're, at, if you're an NIU fan, you're probably hoping that like two years from now that you're really reaping the rewards of that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, there's not so much a ton of patience because of the expectations being haven't been set so high. I think there are a lot of people who are more realistic in like NIU fandom or Mac fandom that expect NIU to come back. Uh, whether that happens this year still remains to be seen. Um, one thing that I haven't really explored the thought of a lot that kind of made me – I thought, started thinking about recently is that – If NIU is the worst team in the MAC this year, if it's EMU, if it's somebody else we're not thinking about, um, they're going to be the best. They might be the best worst team the West has had (laughs) in a while. Like When you think about who's been at the bottom of the divisions over the years, some very, very, very poor EMU teams Mm -hmm. were there for a long amount of time. Um, Western was there, and they were pretty bad um, for a time. So, I mean, you look at the East, and obviously there are several examples too between how bad Miami was, how bad uh, Kent State was. Buffalo was pretty bad for a few years. All of them have kind of had like their stay either at second to worst or worst, and the bottom is very low. Uh, the, the bottom of the West, surprise, surprise, is not low. The West is the superior division. It has been for years. And if NIUs at the bottom of the division, that – Indicates an extreme level of health or like healthiness for this conference in terms of overall parity and competition, because NIU is not going to go winless in MAC play this year. They might be the worst team, but they're going to beat a team or two at least. Like,
0: let me see. Let's, not, look, let's look at let's look at the schedule. Hold on. Uh, sure. Non-conference. We, I know you said MAC play, but I want to get the non-conference out of the way. At Georgia Tech, home against Wyoming. At you the said Tech, the thing. And then what?
1: You said the thing, Maxi.
0: Mac season. Oh, um, I'm not. I'm not gonna repeat it. Did I say Mac conference? Ah. <laughs> Did I say Mac conference season? Ugh. Who cares? Uh, at Georgia Tech, home against Wyoming. At Michigan, home against Maine. Mac slate conference season. Home against Eastern. At Toledo, home against Bowling Green. Okay, now there we go. That that makes sense. Okay, I was wondering if they had Bowling Green on the schedule. At Central, at Kent State, home against Ball State, at Buffalo, home against Western. After Bowling Green, they're going to get their ass kicked.
1: I mean, in several of the games, probably. But I also would expect that they're going to steal one of them.
0: One of – are you talking about one of – after Bowling Green, when they're at Central, at Kent State, home against Ball State, at Buffalo, and then home against Western? They're going to steal one of those? Yes. I don't think so. I think so. I do not. Like – Buffalo is the best chance for sure, well, but,
1: Buffalo's the team. Buffalo's the team I think they're capable of beating.
0: TBd, I don't know, man like cause man i just I just cannot trust i I simply just can't trust a team that's like you have to have like eighty five scholarships and they have eighty eight freshmen i can't I can't trust a team that that has that. I just can't. Like, that late in the season with what I think could be, you know, like, Buffalo's running backs, if they're going to have a good day, I could see them having a good day at home against NIU's defense if, you know, these guys are tired and they're not up to par with the seniors and juniors and whatnot that have stuck around at Buffalo. Not to mention, by then, they might have, like, a couple other things figured out that they don't already right now because of like the new coaching you know turnover and all that but i don't know i, I mean i'm cool with disagreeing with you on that one sure i
1: uh on the offensive side of the ball they have to have somebody has to come out of the woodwork and
2: mm-hmm.
1: impact impacts what they do in a big way uh somebody like Jevion tucker i don't know that he's gonna be a toting the ball a lot he was injured last year and he was a highly touted like gatorade player of the year in nebraska and He's exactly the type of running back guy that they would have wanted. But then on, on Ontario Brown, who was essentially like almost a four-star prospect from Georgia, he, he flipped on a – I can't remember which P5 offer um, and decided to come to NIU. They're going to have a really highly competitive running back room. So if they do something better, it's probably going to be from there. I remember thinking that somebody in the wide receiver room is going to have to step up. But so far – the guy that I, in the last couple of years, that I thought might step up was basically Michael Love and he transferred out.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So they still do have to figure something out. They got to figure out who's going to be the other guys for Rocky Lombardi. Um, Colt Tucker's still like a third, number three receiver or whatever who can make big plays from time to time, but you can't expect him to be like 50 catches, 700 yards. He's not, not supposed to be that type of player. Um, but he like fits in really well for a hometown kid and you mentioned uh, Gandhi on the defensive side of the ball is another hometown kid who tr- he transferred in. So they have some very talented young defensive linemen and guys in the secondary too. Mm-hmm. So if they, if they thrive on the defensive side of the ball, it's probably going to be because at some point in the conference slate, things are going to start clicking and they really perform to a level that they didn't perform to last year, even with young players, because these are young players who have game experience and I think you can argue that some of these young guys on the defensive side of the ball actually do have more talent than a lot of the uh, older defensive players that, against on some teams that they'll play this year. So um, they are going to have a lot of advantages. They have to figure something out with the running backs room who somebody's really got to, whether it's Whaley, whether it's one of these other guys who's going to be the star. Uh, and then Lombardi's got to be a top half of the conference guy. Like, I don't know anybody who really expects him to be like one of the best quarterbacks in the MAC. Maybe somebody who's far-fetched thinking, like a Big Ten quarterback comes here and he immediately becomes the best quarterback. That's not going to happen.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: but you need him to be like top half. Of, he has to be top half of the conference in terms of quarterbacks for them to really have any modicum of success. The offense really has to take a step forward this year, otherwise, like it's really hard to have faith in what they're building on the offensive side of the ball.
0: So, expecting a lot of success, especially in the win-loss column. Like I like I think you're being generous with how many wins they'll get in Mac play, but even then we're still talking about a team that goes what, four wins in total if they like beat both Wyoming and Maine, right? And so it's not gonna be a pretty season. We're gonna still think pretty low of them all winter long, all spring long, headed into twenty twenty two. But what they need to do, they absolutely need to figure out who are our core pieces. Like we did mention a few pieces, right? A few guys that kinda stood out last year. Uh, somewhat a little bit the year before, but even then, like like you said, like they kind of established with Michael Love, he's gone. You know, they might have tried to establish it with um, Ross Bowers, he's gone. You know, so they do have to like, you know, refigure things out, especially now that they've had like a real season to work with, not like a COVID, you know, slighted year last year in terms of preparation and all that stuff. Um, you know, is it gonna be Rocky Lombardi? is Dustin Fletcher actually going to be be the the quarterback to come through because there was a lot of, you know, hype when he got uh when he committed and all that stuff. Played a little bit last year, but I kind of hope that he kind of breaks through because it'd be nice for NIU to it'd behoove of NIU to if they're going to build any sort of core on its offense that they're going to give it to a freshman quarterback, a guy that's got more years to work with. A guy that they can lean on in twenty twenty three. Not you know, that's when like Lombardi's gonna be graduated, but Fletcher, you know, he might still be there. Or he might transfer out if he feels like he's better. Who knows? Yeah. And so you gotta figure out your core with your skilled players, you gotta figure out your core with you know who are your actually good freshmen offensive linemen. Because a lot of these guys are gonna transfer out if they aren't picked in part of that core, but you do have to figure that out very quickly um defense i think that'll i think that'll you know we'll see that on its own there you know there's a lot of good pieces there but they just got to really establish themselves over you know the course of a 12-game season
1: yeah and they've they've got really really talented guys on the defensive end who i mean between i mean guys that come to mind are like opong yeah and then devin lafayette justin gandy uh
0: is worth uh, noting david that- rayner right yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Um and it is worth noting that Kyle Pugh is once again injured and will not play. I can't imagine he'd want to try and come back again. I think he's closer to 25 than 24 at this point. Um dude never freaking caught a break, and when he was healthy, he's one of the best linebackers in the conference, so they don't have that in their uh in their in their boat. the linebacker room still got uh, Lance DeVoe it's still got uh converted safety into the linebacker and Eddie Jackson uh you guys Nick Ratine, who's now got experience uh Darren uh Rainier like you said so they've got guys they can plug in there and they've got some kind of hybrid types in, in the safety spot that they might try to mix things up uh in terms of defensive looks uh other than that you mentioned uh let's see, Agupong, I think, or was it Open? No, Pierce Opong. Uh, Pierce Pong is a guy who's going to do some good things, and Ray Sheen Thomas and uh, Devontae O'Malley, Jeffrey Griffin, James Esther. James Esther had some experience. Like, they've got talented young defensive linemen that should make strides this year. So other than that, like, it's still a lot of – so maybe some mixing match of defensive back they played a lot of young, they played a lot of freshmen in the secondary last year so that could still be up in the air i could see some guys who were like in their second year on campus overtaking guys who played last year as freshmen so maybe there are guys who are both considered redshirt freshmen uh, where one of them wasn't as good last year and jumps in front of another one like that might happen with them as well
0: uh, last question on NIU to you, and then we'll move on. Uh, what what kind of year do you expect out of uh your boy Trayvon Rudolph?
1: I mean, he did the you know he was he was a decent contributor at wide receiver. The reason he obviously got the attention was for his kick returns. Uh, NIU gave up plenty of points. He had plenty of opportunities to return the football, and he showed some explosiveness in those and uh, other aspects of the game. I'd like to think that he is going to contribute in a positive way in the special teams. And honestly, what you really want from him is showing an ability that he'll be a bigger facet in the offense. And he has the athleticism for it. He looked very comfortable making plays as a younger guy who wasn't even really a scholarship player. Surprise, surprise. And I used true to the, to that uh, motto and expectation. So um, he's the type of guy who could make a difference. Maybe he's a 30, 40 catch guy. Who's, in the 500, 700 uh, pass- or receiving yards area. So I think there's reason to be excited about a guy like him. I don't know what his ceiling is, but he's already pretty good.
0: Uh, Maurice Linguist is the new head coach at Buffalo. Um, you know, and I keep saying it, if that coaching change never happens, for as much as I think that Linguist could be a very good hire, you know, for Buffalo, for the Mac, so on and so forth. Man, like the way I view Buffalo just in the just this year alone, it's changed so much just because of the timing of that hire. But how much should I really like be leaning my view of Buffalo into the timing of that hire, which means They've lost all. They don't have like a spring to like install playbooks and such on and such forth. Getting their communication from the coaching staff to the players the way they want to be when they're week one ready. They're not going to be week one ready. But they do have enough talent to go around. They didn't lose like they lost a lot of players to the transfer portal, but they didn't lose everybody. They could have. They almost did, but they didn't how much should I actually be thinking about how talented Buffalo's leftovers are right now? And how much should I actually be weighing that against the timing of the hire and all that stuff?
1: I mean, it's, it, it's, it's sensible that you, you take a hit in terms of expectations. Somebody new comes in and uh, the culture's good, but you attribute a lot of that to Leipold. How much of uh, that the aspect of what leads to them winning football games carries over uh, i would assume to an extent it's still there i wouldn't expect a massive drop off but losing some of the bigger names that they did like yeah sure you could totally see them kind of falling off and in some sense losing five games maybe losing six games something like that so you go from probably expecting to be back in the mac championship game if holds there uh at least if you're a buffalo fan
0: Oh, yeah, and definitely. Yeah, like, they were definitely yeah. my East favorite, you know, in uh, March. Yeah. And and now you're like, well, we could get there,
1: maybe. Perhaps. It's probably not the expectation now, especially since they lost the talent they lost. Um, obviously, it was huge for them to get uh, Marks back after he initially entered, or entered the t- transfer portal. He didn't go anywhere, but, you know, there was that chance he was going to go somewhere. Yeah. Um, they lost some linemen in the portal. that went to Kansas That made a big. that's going to make a difference. And I still would expect that because of the way they, they've coached them up there, they're still going to have a good line. Uh, the identity is still going to be on the run game. We'll see some uh, guys who were lower on the depth chart get their chances this year. And uh, wide receiver is a big question mark, but it has been the last few years. So that is what it is. Defense, I think they're going to be just fine. They'll be fine.
0: Yeah, the defense, because of how many starters are coming back on defense, and some of those guys did the marks thing where they, like, at least dipped their toes in the water of the transfer portal, and then they, like, pulled themselves back out. Um, But the guys that did stick around, like, there's still, like you said, like, plenty of talent on here. And that's, like, the side of the ball where, like, you know, you're reacting to the offense anyways. So they – sort of I don't know if it's right of me to say it but I'm going to say it anyways they sort of can like freestyle their way around to make plays on defense whereas offense you might have to be a little bit more in sync with one another um, you know just to even like get on the field you know who cares about how good you are if you're not going to be in sync with everyone else you're probably not going to play Um, and so that's why I kind of like wonder like I don't know if you know they did get some guys to transfer over, but I don't know if they're all going to see the field. One guy I'm kind of interested in, in terms of new guys, is this uh, Cameron Layborn guy. He doesn't spell his name, uh, his first name, the same way most other Camerons would. It's like K H A M, R A N, I believe it is. Uh, short guy, JUCO receiver. I think he went to Garden City. Uh, he's going to be wearing number 0 this year. He's someone that you're going to have to look out for. Uh, they don't really have Buffalo's so like Buffalo's receivers last year there's only two that really stood out, right? It was Antonio Nunn and it was um Trevor Wilson. And he was like the younger guy that was like, "Okay, he's going to succeed Nunn is like the one and only receiver that Buffalo wants to go to." Oh, what about Giovanni Ruiz? You don't really, you know, he's he's fine but he's not like a top end receiver, right? He was just kind of there. The other receiver that was that got a lot of snaps was a guy who fit the run blocking game on the outside very well, which was converted quarterback Dominic Johnson. I don't know what Dominic Johnson's role is going to be in a post Liopold but uh post Liopold Buffalo team. Like I don't know if he has the hands to hang with you know any other coaches' view of offense, especially you know the way football's played these years. So, yeah, that's definitely a position that's up for grabs. Uh, hopefully, you know maybe Laybourne's one of the guys that kind of like comes through that we've never heard of before until this year. But that's one guy I'm gonna go with. Yeah, and one like one of the other guys that stuck around like Kyle Van Trees. Do we even like how much do you trust him to like make plays this year? Because he was okay in the Leipold era, and there's only a few games where he was allowed to throw more than twenty times.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know what? What do you expect out of out of him? Because they don't have a lot of other options to go to. There's not like a new JUCO dual threat quarterback that came into the system that, you know, maybe like a new coach would would probably do. They're probably they're going to lean with Kyle Vantries. What are you going to expect out of him? What do you hope to see out of him, I should say?
1: Uh, I guess it's it's, it's it's hard to say in the sense that I don't know what you can expect from the wide receiver room. Like, are, Do you even have guys who make explosive plays? I actually don't feel like I know. And at least last year when we, 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 we knew we had Antonio Nunn and we still went, yeah, but their wide receiver room still isn't particularly good. So now that they don't have none, it's like, I mean somebody could step up but like there's really no reason to believe that they're going to throw the ball around with consistency Mm -hmm. like that shouldn't be the expectation if you're an outsider maybe they they probably have something in their mind that they're like we can be successful this way in the passing game but like i don't have a reason to believe that so i think vantrese i mean you saw what he did against miami when when the expectation is that they're going to run the ball down your throat they're going to find ways if they're smart enough and they they have a good plan that they can complete passes. They don't have to have a dominant, an athletically dominant or wide receiver. Uh, they still have good guys coming back on the line. Uh, Jake Fuzak was an All-MAC guy who's back. Jack Clank is back at. Uh, I think he's starting on the one of the guard spots. He played some games last year, and then they have guys who are upperclassmen who are going to step in at other spots. So the line's still going to be really good, and it was one of the best-rated offensive lines in a lot of metrics last year in, in the FBS. So. You're still gonna to expect to run the ball teams really might come out and just decide like hey the only way you're gonna get stuff against us right to begin the season is if you throw the ball over the top until the, until you can prove you can do that you ain't getting crap up front like i wouldn't not be surprised to see completely stacked boxes right from the get-go not because van isn't capable of making throws but because you the don't. The have... to play
0: to their strengths, and their strengths is Kevin Marks, Ron Cook, and Dillan sure. Duffy. Sure.
1: And until you, until my Buffalo proves to you that they can throw the ball over the top, dude, stack the box against them. That's yeah. what I do as yeah. a coach. Just completely take away any chance they have to like run with fewer than eight guys in the box. Uh, play with, uh, play with one safety. I don't care, man.
0: <laughs> don't don't just don't play with safeties. There's
1: no safeties. Only line up across the box. Sure.
0: <laughs> just, just, uh, just do a four-six in one corner. Just do that. I guess. Uh, defensively, like we can go on and on and on about some of the names on here. Let's just pick one each. Who's a defensive player that you're just excited to watch this year?
1: Uh, Kadofi Wright is one of them. Just, I mean, he's one we've we've kind of picked out before, and I remember seeing that. He was feeling a little bit motivated because one of those preseason things uh, kind of like sold him a little bit short. And he already kind of underperformed last year in the sense that I don't think he actually showed up as much making big plays as you would expect. Some of his athleticism and caliber. So I am excited to see kind of where he ends up. Uh, in terms of being an early playmaker if he ends up being one of the better players in the conference on the defensive side of the football. And, I mean, other than that, they, they still have several of the better front seven players in the conference, right?
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's see. I think I'm going to go with one of the new guys, just to, just to give a new guy some love. Uh, Josh Rogers, defensive tackle. Texas A&M was his, his, uh, his old school. And... And, like, that's the school that, you know, everyone points to when it comes to linguists. Like, he's been to, like, plenty of places. But Texas A&M, that's where he, like, really got his name highlighted. Or, like, that's his real highlight in his resume, right? Because that's where he was able to, like, be, like, a high-ranking recruiter, especially for the defense. Like And when you watch Texas A&M's defense this year, which should be nationally, like, one of the best sides of the ball in the country... Um, linguists you have a lot to thank uh, for linguists like he in a lot of ways built texas a&m's current defense right now Um, so i trust that he has a great eye for talent in that regard Uh, and having Rodgers come in you know it's always fun watching p5 players come in and potentially make a make a name for themselves last year we did see a defensive uh, defensive lineman from texas a&m come to the mac and make a good name for themselves. And now Mohamed Diallo is in the CFL. Yeah. And so I wonder what Josh Rogers has to bring.
1: It's still funny to me that like, who's the best defensive player in the conference? Oh, that guy from CMU. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's some good respect. Uh, he doesn't go there anymore, but uh, you, we see you respect him. Okay.
0: Hey, let's ride to the next team, uh, Western. Michigan, this is our last team in our preview series. I'm so glad we're finally over with this, even though we still have so far to go for football to begin. Ugh! He chose
1: to do this, and he's sitting here
0: complaining. Gosh, Western, you don't have Dwayne Eskridge anymore, but, man, you're still a really loaded team. Hey, let's play a quick game of what if. You want to do that really quickly, Caleb? Sure. What if, instead of going to the NFL... And what if instead of transferring out a few years ago, what if Western's wide receiver room today still had Dwayne Eskridge and Jaden Reed on top of what they already have right now?
1: I mean, it'd be good, but.
0: <laughs> Would it be, knowing what you know now, do you think it'd be like one of the best receiver rooms that you remember out of the Mac in a while? Like, do you think it'd be up there with, like, 2017 Toledo and, like, 2015 Bowling Green? See, Bowling Green, yeah. That Roger
1: Lewis-led one was awesome. Um, Last year's Ball State was honestly really good. It was good. I liked it. uh, Toledo's 2017 had...
0: Thompson, Johnson, and Johnson.
1: Thompson, Johnson, Johnson, yeah, yeah. Um, And then just a pairing at Buffalo back in 2018 it was really solid. Um if yeah, if you have Reed, Sledge, Jalen Hall, uh Skymore, Skymore. Yeah. yeah, that's that would be pretty good. Um then but then at that point why would you want to stay if you're a talent of that caliber <laughs> anymore?
0: Oh, I mean, they're not. They're not <laughs> staying, which is why we're playing the what if game. They didn't so, stay, but it, it would be real. and you know what? That's to, and I say that to say it's still really good without them. <laughs> like, it of course it'd be like way better with them, but it's still really good without them. And that's a credit to Western Michigan's recruiting over the years. They didn't have to rely on, like, oh, we finally got the one guy who's going to be good, and he's gone. Mm-hmm. No props for props to Tim Lester for keeping it going after uh, after PJ Fleck left. Now, I mean. Does it all matter if there's no title in the end? Well, I mean, I'm not, I don't you know, whatever. I'm not, whatever. Uh, I don't think it matters, but still a damn good receiver room. And Caleb Ellaby is going to have a lot of fun playing quarterback because he's got great receivers. And even with the addition of Bryce Nunley from Chattanooga, uh, formerly coached by Tom Arth, he's like a two-time first-team all-conference player out of his FCS league. Uh, he's gonna be a good deep threat for this team. I mean, no wonder Western was like favored to win the west this year. no, no, they weren't ball state was no they weren't uh, yeah. <laughs> but Western was in the mix sure it's an it's no wonder Western was in the mix to win the west.
2: No on me don't west wrong
1: western's
0: they're in a weird place like we've already had this
1: discussion. Their early season schedule is not easy. That's for damn sure. And, you know, they head, they head into Ann Arbor right away. They play a good FCS squad in Illinois State. They play Pitt. They host San Jose State, who did not lose until the bowl game last year. Mm-hmm. Um, which uh, Ball State won, right? Ball State beat San Jose State, yep. right? That was a bowl game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They put it on them. Uh, so... You head out of that stretch, and it's not impossible they could be three and one, but I think it's much more likely they're one and three at that point.
0: Yeah, just accept it and move on.
1: So after that, you go at Buffalo, home against the defending MAC champion Ball State Cardinals, uh, home against Kent State to Toledo, uh, home against Central before the last few games. And that's brutal. (laughs) Mm -hmm. The end of the schedule is way too. It's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Looks Akron, really Eastern, nice Northern, which has got to feel nice knowing how badly they've screwed up the end of seasons the last few years uh though seeing niu at the end of the schedule doesn't make you feel comfortable if you're western but it's still easier probably still rather play niu than playing ball state
0: the last week yeah and you know my school thought is that like especially later on in the year sure like teams might be dinged up here and there but they'll also like play better because, like, they know themselves better. And NIU is definitely in that category where I'm, like, in watch-out category. But mm. if if I think Western is as good as it could be, I don't see it being a problem, though. I do see Eastern being a problem just because, not because Eastern's bad or whatever or Eastern's good or whatever, but it's because Eastern just has the winning streak over them
1: right they now. They won. They yeah. won.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, uh, starting out the year at Buffalo, if, if Buffalo's any good, we'll find out. Ball State should be good. That's not going to be easy. And, like, oh, I actually rewatched uh, the end of the game the other day. The end of the 2020 game. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. I forgot how actually nuts that was. I actually, like, I forgot, like, in one of the many laterals to uh, end the game, right, in that very last play. Yeah. Uh, Caleb Ellaby picked it up the second or third time. Like, his, you know, second or third time touching it in that. You know, all that. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then he, they had already lost, went back like 24 yards or some shit. And Caleb Elby picked it up and like looked downfield to throw it. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, man, what are you doing? You can't do that now. Worth a shot.
1: (laughs) Mac, Mac, uh, Mac officials have made a worse call before.
0: This is true. Yeah, you can say that as an Ohio alum. I forgot yes, about that. Yes, you can. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. I thought you were just, like, saying that, and then I'm like, oh, no, that's a direct reference to something, and I know what that meant.
1: <laughs> Phantom safety, yep.
0: Oh, God. Uh, okay, let's point to one game specifically, though, right after the Ball State game. Kent State. That's homecoming. Yeah. Well, I mean, all right, what's, what's your read on this game? Like, is... Are we gonna see Western and Kent State play twice in the same year? Do you think that this is gonna be a game that I don't know. I, I honestly I could easily see like Western beating Kent like 60 to 38. I really think that's uh kind of the way this can go. If it's, if it's and only if fish. like Kent State doesn't know how to stop the run, because Western's pretty loaded at running back too. Surprise! We don't we don't spend enough time thinking about that. But they well, when are was the last time? Good. When was the last time Western wasn't loaded at running back?
1: Uh, well, year one, year one under Fleck.
0: No, I think it was. Uh, who did they have? Who did they even have before that, running back wise? Before Fleck got there. Uh, I'm gonna go with 2012. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna um, go with that.
1: Well, because you start to get back into like Jarvion Franklin and. Uh, uh, transitions directly well in several backs that they had transitioned directly into Levante Bellamy and, da, 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 and now they have the group they have now so it's just never it's just been a freight train of like top three running back rooms in the conference like every year for the last like seven or eight years
0: basically yeah and it's not even like the strength of the team but it is sure. like the position group that could set itself apart from a lot of teams just because of how skilled and uh, deep it is. Let's leave. Let's read off some names on, on this group. <clears throat> uh, no. Rashawn Davey, number zero, La- Ladarius Jefferson. That's the main guy. Jackson Kincaid. He's, he's really good too. Sean Tyler. He's really good. Hello. That's it. That's all the names I'm going to give you. Just those ones right there. Yeah. Uh, for as good as Western's offense is defensively, that's that's the worst case scenario, is uh if this defense plays good but not great, because you might have to play great in all of these West games. Yeah. Especially the Eastern one.
1: Well, and that's the thing too, right? Like Western could have the undisputed best offense in the conference this year. They were very close to reaching that last year. Buffalo it was Buffalo, but Western was not that as far off as you would think. They could have the best offense in the conference easily, and they still might lose a couple really important Mac games where they just can't stop anybody. And that's happened despite the talent they have on the team. Mm
0: -hmm. And like, I, and I like its defensive line a lot. And I think like a lot of those players like Fayad, Carter, Holly, like they all do make really good plays, you know, drive and drive again, but it just keeps finding ways to like get sliced through the air. And I just don't get it because, like, there's so much talent, you know, just waiting back there to make plays, and they just don't. They keep letting guys just break through for some reason. And that sometimes is what, you know, makes them lose games that they shouldn't. I mean, that Eastern game last year, like, Jesus Christ, you got beat by, like, two former walk-ons at receiver on the other side. Yeah. Like, you you can't do that as one of the best recruiting teams in the MAC. You can't let that happen again. I mean, look—it's
1: you're lucky they have the schedule they do at the end of the season. Let's just at the end of the season this year. Let's just hope they're not too like banged up and in too much of a bad place when they head into that crucial stretch of MAC play early. If they don't get themselves out of it,
2: speak
0: right for yourself. One of those teams is mine.
1: Eastern's at the end of the schedule. Yeah, I'm talking about if you're Western, you don't want. You you have to perform start right strong right from the get go. You got to be ready to go. Yeah. Top top of your game right from the start of MAC play. And if they're not, the season's a lost cause in terms of a, a playing for a MAC championship by week eight or nine. You can't lose two of those first like four games if you're a Western. You just can't.
0: No, no, you can't. Yeah, you you got to like keep your head above water. No matter how you know these first four games go. Like, sure, you might be able to be, you might be able to hang with Michigan. I don't know. Maybe you beat them. Sure, well, no, no, no.
1: To... So get, don't get me wrong. Uh, you can lose non-conference games. That's fine. I'm fine with
0: that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, we're oh yeah, we're speaking on the same behalf. Like I'm saying, like mentally, Mac know, games. Yeah, you, you got you got to keep your head above water and not let you know the non-conference like weigh you down too much. Like, sure, sure. Yeah,
1: I it's... mean, I still think that some of those non-conference games. I mean, Pitt comes to mind, right?
2: mm Hmm.
1: Western could show out against Pitt. They might be like, you might be looking at this and like the money lines, like in favor of Pitt, and nobody knows anything about these. It's like, oh, isn't Western where Dwayne Eskridge played? And like, yep, that's the place. Like, okay, I wonder if they're good. And then Western goes out and hangs 49 on Pitt. They're going to be like, oh, okay, these guys are for real. <laughs> but um, personally, would love that because I don't think Pitt's going to score 49 points in a football game anytime this year. But, uh, yeah, they they do gotta they gotta hold their like you said they gotta hold their head above water. They can't get unholy whippins in the first couple of games. They're probably not going to get their asses whooped, but they still might be one and three and limping into still yeah still potentially be limping into that first couple of conference games. Mm-hmm. And you can't start slow in the MAC this year. They cannot.
0: Yep. Once October rolls around, you got to get ready to fight. You got to get ready to fight in October. Oh, my God. It's just going to be so fun to watch because Western's – I mean, we keep saying it. Western's just really talented, and all seeing all these teams packed here in October, oh, love it. Love to see it. Uh, do you have any other uh, last-minute uh, predictions or notes or whatever about Western Michigan before we close this up?
1: Uh, we're still looking at a couple of the – Uh, even as explosive we're talking about this western offense is a couple of the better players in the conference on the defensive side of the football could be fayad could be ralph holly could be uh aj thomas and he's an unsung guy uh from the secondary that i think probably deserved more attention for the amount of things that he did all over the field last year so those that's three of i think the best defensive players in the conference right there and they all could make an impact in a way that makes Western the best team in the West and finally figures out their shit and doesn't drop games it should when it really matters. And I think if that happens, it's going to be because of defensive players like those guys.
0: And Deshaun Bustle, because he, he changed positions from, uh, from receiver oh, to yeah. corner.
2: Yeah. Sure.